The Lord is good. Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. Good to see everyone. Praise God. All of our guests that are here, California, North Carolina. Praise God. Glad you're here. Listen, did everyone get one of these copies of the prophetic word? Hold it up. Take it out. We're going to read it together. I want you to keep that with you. Now, I don't want you to play church this year. Yeah, this is not going to come to pass when you play in church. It comes to pass when you decree it and you're faithful to decree it. The prophetic word the Lord gives me every year comes to pass in my life without fail. But I don't take this and then lay it aside about February and forget about it. I, I keep that in front of me. I've got it. I got it here. I got it here. I got it on my desk, in my office, in my study, in my notebooks. If I believed in tattoos, I'd tattoo it on my chest and read it in the mirror, praise God. All right, let's read it together. The faithful shall flourish, and it shall be like days of heaven on earth. To flourish is to thrive, to increase, to enlarge, to be prosperous, to abound, to spread out, to expand, to make steady progress, and to be at a high point in one's life. Hallelujah. Amen. And you know what? It's only what, January 15th? And it is already happening to me, praise God. I mean, it is already happening. Praise the Lord. I even had to have another staff meeting the other day. I, I usually have one right at the beginning of the year, but I had to have another one immediately, one week after, and give them a report of all the flourishing we're experiencing. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Now, is that because I'm a preacher? No, I know a lot of preachers it never works for. It's not because I'm a preacher. It's because I'm a doer of the word. Amen. Are you a doer of the word? Tell somebody, I'm a doer of the word. And the Bible says in the book of James, the doer shall be blessed in his deeds. Amen. God promises to bless your doing the word. But the implication is it, it's consistent. It's constant. It's not just getting excited about it in a service and then a few days later, forget about it. Amen. So I want to encourage you, be as consistent as you possibly can be. That's the reason we, we printed these, so you can carry them around with you. Amen. So you can have it handy and decree it and believe it, praise God. Amen. Now, once again, I want to repeat those definitions you just listened. To thrive, to increase, to enlarge, to grow, to be prosperous, to abound, to spread out, to expand, to make steady progress, and to be at a high point in one's life. In, in the Psalms, we've read it in previous services, it talks about that they will be fruitful even in old age. Hallelujah. I've been fruitful ever since I've been a believer, and that's been, come February, 48 years ago. 
but now I'm an old believer or an older believer. Hallelujah. And it's not supposed to stop working for me when I get older. In fact, I believe my best days are ahead of me. Hallelujah. Amen. Now let's go to Deuteronomy chapter 11. Now I'm certainly not comparing myself to the apostle John, the revelator, but like he said in the book of Revelation, I was in the spirit on the Lord's day and I heard a voice. Well, I hear that same voice, praise God. That voice has been speaking to me for many, many years now. And uh, this took place in November and the word of the Lord came to me and he led me to Deuteronomy chapter 11, verse 21, that your days may be multiplied and the days of your children in the land which the Lord swear unto, the, unto your fathers to give them as the days of heaven upon earth. Now, in uh, another translation, it says, the New Living Translation, so that according as the sky remains above the earth, you and your children may flourish in the land the Lord swore to give your ancestors. And the New English Translation says, so that your days and those of your descendants may be extended in the land which the Lord promised to give to your ancestors like the days of heaven on earth. So the Lord said to me, the faithful shall flourish in 2017 and it will be like days of heaven on earth. Hallelujah. Say that with me. The faithful shall flourish. Now notice how he qualified this certain group of people. He didn't say everybody in the body of Christ will flourish. He said the faithful. The faithful. Well, if you're faithful, you ought to have been shouting right now. You should have turned to somebody and said, well, that just included me, praise God. <laughs> Amen. Now, I want to deal with this morning, uh, part of the morning anyway, with what does it mean to be faithful? Amen. And um, then you'll know if you qualify or not. So, number one, it means firmly adhering to duty. That is, love God, serve God, and remain loyal. Amen. That's faithfulness. Firmly adhering to duty. I have a duty to serve God, to love God. Amen. Now, you know, sometimes we get the idea that, uh, you know, Old Testament wording does not apply to us in the New Testament. But I find serving God in the Old Testament was certainly a requirement, but I hadn't seen it change in the New Testament. Well, the Old Testament is not for us today. Well, there's a whole lot of verses you've been confessing that you ought to start <laughs> confessing. The one we just talked about with long life, will I satisfy thee? That's Old Testament. So don't confess that anymore. That's Old Testament. I don't belong to you. That's Old Testament. 
Don't be confessing anything Solomon said. That's Old Testament. Well, my Bible says be a doer of the word. A doer of the word. Now, thank God we've been redeemed from certain things that Old Testament people hadn't experienced because redemption didn't take place until Jesus went to the cross. That's right. Yes, sir. Amen. 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 Now, once again, firmly adhering to duty, love God. Now, Deuteronomy chapter 6 and verse 5 says, Thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thine heart and with all thy soul and with all thy might. Now, I, I can't find any logical reason why God would change that. That he, he doesn't expect us to love him the same as he expected them to love him in Deuteronomy. Come on. So is my service to him should be less than what he asked of them because I'm under New Testament? No, he said, thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thine heart. In fact, in the book of Joshua, he said, and and I'm paraphrasing, if this is too hard for you, he, he started out with, choose you this day whom you will serve. And if this is just too hard for you, then go after other gods, see what they can do for you. Amen. I mean, if this is just too hard for you to love me with all your heart, all your strength, all your might, then go on and serve other gods. Let's see what they can do for you. Well, I I tried that a long time ago. That was BC before Christ. And it it didn't go well with me. But the moment I surrendered my life to the Lord Jesus Christ and began to love God with all my heart, all my might, all my strength, praise God, my life has never been the same. Hallelujah. Can you say amen? Amen. So once again, Deuteronomy 6, 5, thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thine heart, with all thy soul, and with all thy might. Now, the New Testament says in Matthew chapter 6, You cannot serve God and mammon. You cannot serve two masters. Now, the Lord said this to me way back when I first started studying the Word, and I still lived in Shreveport, Louisiana, before I moved to Fort Worth. And I'm sitting there one day, and I said, Lord, uh, you know, I'm I'm, kind of simple here. I've never read the Bible before, so explain this to me. You can't serve two masters. And he just simply said, I will not accept from you a divided heart. I will not accept from you a divided heart. You either go for those gods or you go for me. And if you're going for me, I expect all out. Now, I understood that because I've been an all out person all my life. Whatever I get involved in, I don't know but one speed, all out. (laughs) Amen. Amen. All out. It's, it's all out or nothing. Amen. And so I understood what he was saying. Serve me and go out all out with it. And if you, if you have that kind of attitude, then you don't have to deal with thoughts every day of turning back. 
I settled that once and for all. February the 11th, 1969, three o'clock in the morning, I settled the fact that I would serve God for the rest of my life. And come February the 11th, 2017, it will make 48 years that I've been doing just that. Hallelujah. And I am extremely blessed. Best decision I ever made in my life. Hallelujah. I'm flourishing, glory to God. Amen. And God is no respecter of persons. Can you say amen? So number one, what does it mean to be faithful? Firmly adhering to duty. Love God, serve God, and remain loyal. Now, Joshua chapter 24, turn there with me if you will. Well, you don't have to turn there. We got too much to cover, but make a note of it. Joshua 24, 14 It says that we are to serve him in sincerity. We are to serve him in sincerity of heart. That means without hypocrisy or false pretense. You know, there's a lot of Christians that are hypocrites. They talk about serving God out one side of their mouth and live another way. Serve him with sincerity. And then in the New Testament, everybody say New Testament. Testament. It says in Luke chapter 6 and verse 46, why call ye me Lord, Lord, and do not the things which I say? So there's a duty here to serve God, love God with all your heart and be faithful about it. Can you say amen? In Revelation chapter 2 and verse 20, it talks about being faithful unto death. Being faithful unto death. That means it's not a short-term thing. It's not, you know, well, I was faithful for a few weeks. Is God going to bless me? Well, why don't you just go ahead and shoot for the rest of your life? Amen. Amen. Faithful unto death. You know, uh, a very dear friend of mine went home to be with the Lord recently. And, um, you know, uh, I I sent a a message to the family. And I said, to live by faith all of the days of your life is a great achievement. But to die in faith is an honor. Amen. Amen. And he lived by faith from the time he got born again until he went home to be with the Lord. He lived by faith because the Bible says the just shall live by faith. But the Bible also talks about in Hebrews 11 that to die in faith. Amen. It's a great achievement to live by faith, but it's a great honor to die in faith. Amen. That's the way we're supposed to die when it's time for us to die. Die in faith. Don't dare die in unbelief. Amen. Amen. Die in faith. Praise God. Are you still here? So firmly adhering to duty. Love God, serve God, and remain loyal. And then number two, it means firm in adherence to the truth. Firm in adherence to the truth. And that is God's word. So once again, Luke 6, 46 says, 
Why call ye me Lord, Lord, and do not the things which I say? So if, if, if the question arises, are you faithful? Then you think about, number one, do I constantly adhere to the duty that I have in serving God? With all my heart, with all my soul, with all my might, with all my strength. And then number two, do I adhere to the truth? Do I, am I a doer of the word? Amen. And once again, we're talking about lifetime. We're not talking about a season. A lot of people are seasonal believers. <laughs> it's as long as everything's going well. As long as they got money in the bank. As long as they're healed. As long as all the children are serving God. As long as, you know, everything's hunky-dory. But the moment, you know, crisis comes and attacks come and, uh, yeah, uh-oh, <laughs> then we find out what they really believe. Anybody can, can love God with all their heart when they got a bank full of money. Anybody can love God with all their heart when, when everything they touch turns to gold, hallelujah. And all their children are walking with God. But what is revealed is when things start falling apart and it looks like God is nowhere to be found. Then what do you do? See, that's, that's faithfulness. When you stick with God and you stick with the word, come what may, I'm here to stay, praise God. Amen. I mean, I've had lots of opportunities in the last almost 48 years to say it's not worth it. But that phrase will never come out of my mouth other than just an illustration. That, that it's worth it if I have to stand forever before I see it come to pass. Brother Hagin used to say, if you'll prepare to stand forever, it won't take very long. Amen. So I decided right back when I heard him say that many years ago, well, I'm prepared to stand forever. And you know, there's, there's things that have come to pass in my life. I mean, before dark, you know, I, I prayed and before dark, I mean, there's times that, that I've had manifestations of great financial breakthroughs uh, 30 minutes after I prayed. And then some things have taken 20 years. And when it came to pass, I forgot how long it took because I was caught up in the joy that it came to pass. Hallelujah. I remember the first airplane that God put in this ministry and that was about... 10 airplanes ago. And the first airplane that God put in this ministry, he told me when I first came to the Lord that you'll not be able to fulfill what I've called you to do without airplanes in your ministry. And I, I knew from that that I'd be traveling all the time. And he said, you start believing me for an airplane now and I don't want you flying airplanes with note on them. I don't want you borrowing money for airplanes. Now he's saying this to me when I still owed money on a car. 
you know, with God, <laughs> money's no object. That's right. And of course, you know, I, I started to remind him, Lord, uh, I'm still trying to pay the car off. He said, well, I'm going to teach you how to do that too. But he said, I don't want you borrowing money for airplanes. You believe me for debt-free airplanes. So I joined my hands with Carolyn, and we believed God, and we, we raked up all the money we could find to sow his seed. And the only person I knew at that time that uh, was a minister and was flying airplanes was Kenneth Copeland. And he was flying an airplane at that time that was just a little faster than a lawnmower with wings, but it was an airplane, hallelujah. <laughs> you know? And it was debt-free, praise God. So I got up all the money I could, I could gather up, and it didn't amount to much, but I sowed it in faith toward his aviation department and believing God for my airplane. And then I moved over here and went to work with Brother Copeland and got to fly around with him from time to time and, and watched him while I was working there believe in three different debt-free airplanes. So I, I've got the experience here that that God can do this because I've watched him do it three times now. And then when I uh, was led of the Lord to, to go out into this ministry, um, I mean, I, I started getting invitations immediately. I mean, I was, when I walked out of Kenneth Copeland Evangelistic Association doors and I walked into Jerry Savelle Evangelistic Association doors, I was booked up for four months with meetings. And had an office full of equipment, didn't know a dime on it, and money in the bank. And places to preach for four months. And everywhere I went, somebody would be in that meeting and say, can you come here? I'd say, yes. And I'd go to another meeting, can you come here? Yes, can you come here? Next thing I know, I'm booked up for a year. Man, I hit the ground running. And now, my schedule is at a point to where... It demands an airplane. <laughs> I can't get to all the places that, that I'm agreed to go to. And I wasn't in the habit of canceling meetings. And so I said, Lord, if you haven't noticed, uh, this would be a good time for that airplane to show up. And the first thing he did was he sent me an office manager, a man that came to work for me as my office manager. And he had been a pilot for over 20 years. Now, I didn't have my license yet. He'd been a pilot for over 20 years and had several thousand hours flying time. You know, the Bible says, first the blade, then the ear, then the full corn in the ear. That man was my blade. When, when I hired him to come to work for me, he had all this flying experience. And so the blade showed up. I, I, I said, you're my blade. I see this coming to pass. It excited me. It, it, it inspired my faith. First the blade, then the ear. Man, I'm looking for that ear. Hallelujah. And then um, I'm out in West Texas preaching in a meeting where I had all of seven people in an abandoned laundromat the church that had invited me to preach found out I wasn't licensed with their denomination so they wouldn't let me in the doors. I didn't know there was religious politics, but I was learning. 
So they wouldn't let me in their church. After they invited me to come, they wouldn't let me in their church because I wasn't licensed nor ordained through their organization. But one of the men in the church said, well, Brother Jerry, if I can find a building uh, to have the meeting in, would you stay and preach? I said, I'm here. That's what I came for. And I had my, my wife, my two daughters, and uh, a couple that worked for me. And the man that was my office manager, he was back home, and his wife, she came to work as well. So, you know, we've got a group of people out here, and, and uh, they told me I couldn't preach. But he said, I'll find a building. Well, all he could find was an abandoned laundromat. We went in there, and there's washers and dryers. <laughs> I said, how are we going to have a meeting in here? He said, well, we'll push them all up against the wall, and, and we'll have seats put in the middle here. And he pushed one dryer out, and it was my pulpit. And nobody would loan us chairs in that town. Now, it's a little tiny town. No one would loan us chairs. So we went to a wrecking yard and got seats out of wrecked cars and brought them in there so people could sit on, you know, on something. Of course, I love wrecking yards. I felt right at home. <laughs> Praise God. I grew up in wrecking yards, you know. And so uh, this guy loaned us some seats. And we put them in the laundromat. And I'm going to preach three services a day for three days. And the first service, Carolyn, Jerry, Terry, me, Charles Neiman, Rochelle Neiman, and the man who invited me and his wife. That was my crowd. Now, let's see. Six out of eight belonged to me. <laughs> Charles and Rochelle worked for me. And so I'm preaching to eight people. When I got ready to receive the offering, my family didn't even give. It was... <laughs> and, and somebody, somebody gave us some Kentucky Fried Chicken buckets to receive the offering. Have you ever heard coins hitting the bottom of a Kentucky Fried Chicken bucket? It didn't take us long to count the offering that morning, you know. But I, I was, now see, this, this, I believe this was a major breakthrough for me as God was looking at my faithfulness. Am I, am I going to get discouraged? Uh, am I going to say, well, I wish I'd have kept my job at Brother Copeland's, leave the ministry, my ministry, you know? And I, I went in there, I prayed, I prepared for sermons, just like I had a thousand people in there. And the next service, we gained a couple more. That night, we gained about eight or 10 more. And by the time we got to the last day, we got about 20 people in there, you know. And, and the last day, I'm preaching. Now, this was on Main Street in this little town. And the laundromat has, all, has windows all across the front. So people, every day, people would walk by there and they'd stop because this had been an abandoned building. And they'd stop and they'd put their head up against the <laughs> wipe the dust away. And, and I'd see them, I'd say, and, they, and they'd walk on, you know. <laughs> I was trying to get the crowd in there, but they'd just keep walking. But one day, the last day I was preaching, a man pulled up in front of that laundromat in a pickup truck. 
had on a straw hat, bib overalls. You've heard me tell this story, but it's my sermon. I can preach it again if I want to. Come on, bring it. And uh, he was a large man. He come out of that truck and he walked in that laundromat. And I thought, well, he's just late, you know, and I, I waved at him and, and I thought he'd just take a seat. But he didn't stop. He kept walking up to the front of that laundromat where I was. Took his hat off. Got bib overalls on. Looked like he'd just come off the farm, which he did. And he said, my name's Oop. I said, pardon me? He said, my name is Oop. I said, well, Mr. Oop, would you like to take a seat? No. I'm only here because God told me. I was out riding my tractor, plowing my farm. God spoke to me. Told me there's a young man, a young preacher boy, he called me, a young preacher boy up there at the laundromat. You go up there and take him some money for an airplane. I said, are you him? He said, are you him? I said, there couldn't be two of us doing this in this town. I mean, I got to be him. He said, well, I want you to understand, sonny boy. I don't do nothing unless God tells me. He said, I got a third grade education. I had to quit school and go to work on the farm. I don't know how to read. I can't write, but I can hear from God. God's taught me all these years to hear from him. And that's how I live. He said, and I was riding that tractor. I said, I got that part. He said, I was riding that tractor. And God spoke to me and told me there's a preacher boy in Andrews, Texas in the laundromat. What needs an airplane? Now go take him some money. And he said, are you him? I said, yes, sir, I'm him. And he started taking money out of every pocket of them bib overalls and threw it at my feet, took money out of the hat and threw it at my feet. And he said, now I'm gone. You'll never see me again unless God tells me. Put his hat on, turned around, walked off, and we're all standing with our mouths open. Yeah. I turned to Carol and I said, did that really happen? She said, look at your feet. <laughs> he piled money up, you know, yes. nearly to my knees. And so they gathered it up, and of course it was inspirational, you know. Now I don't have any idea how much it was, but I do know this. Later when we counted, it wasn't enough for an airplane but first the blade, yes. then the ear. Oop was my ear. Yes. He was the first person that ever brought me money that said God told him I was believing for an airplane because I didn't announce it. I didn't tell people in meetings. I didn't con people into it. I'm believing for an airplane. Is God talking to you? No, that's not faith. That's religious con work. Nobody knew but me and Carolyn and my daughters and the people that worked for me and Kenneth and Glory Coker because I sowed seed into their ministry. So we got home. And so now, first the blade, now the ear. Oop was my ear. And so later, I've invited to preach in Omaha, Nebraska, Fred Price and I. And Fred and I were up there for a week. Carolyn and Betty joined us about the middle of the week. We got ready to leave. We all went to the airport in Omaha and we hugged one another and uh, expressed our love for one another. Carol and I were going off this direction to get on the plane to fly to um, home, for Dallas forward. And Fred and Betty got on, uh, went this way to a gate to fly to Los Angeles. 
And I'm walking down that terminal, and it just hit me. I don't know how to explain it, but I just knew that I knew that I knew that I knew that my airplane was about to manifest. And I, it hit me, so I stopped in that airport, and I hollered at Fred. Fred! Fred! And there's people in there, you know, running up and down to their gate. Fred! And finally, he turned around. He said, hey, what is it, brother? I said, Fred, I just want you to know the next time I see you, I'll be in my own airplane. He shouted, I believe it, brother. And we went on and got on our plane. And as soon as we landed at DFW, my general manager picked me up, office manager, and he said, I've got a, I got a call here. Of course, it's way before cell phones and all that. I got a call here, and these people want to know, as soon as you land, would you meet them in Dallas uh, for dinner tonight? I knew the people. I stopped at a payphone and called them. And, and said, we'll be there. We're in near there anyway, so we'll just swing on over there. And we got there, and Vicki Jameson and her husband, Wes, and Charles and Peggy Capps were sitting at the table when we got there. And it was Vicki who had called. And we're sitting there. And how many of you remember Southern Kitchen in Dallas? Oh, it was one of our favorite places. And we're dipping into the crab meat. And Vicky said, Brother Jerry, the reason we called you and invited you to dinner tonight, uh, Wes and I have been believing God to pay off our airplane, and God told us to sow it into your ministry. We would have given it to you a year ago, but it wasn't paid off. And God said, don't do it until it's paid for and so Charles and Vicky, uh, Charles and Peggy came to visit us, spent the night with us last night, and we were just sharing with them that we wanted their agreement that we would, would receive the final balance to pay this airplane off, and so we can sew it into you. We, we know it belongs to you. And Charles said, well, how much is it, the balance? They told him, he looked at Peggy, and he said, well, we can do that. So they gave him a check for it, and they said, so we're here today to sow an airplane into your ministry, praise God. Amen. First the blade, then the ear, and then the crab meat. Hallelujah. Amen. Crab meat never tasted so good, praise God. Amen. They said, we'll bring it to you tomorrow. I already had a hangar out at Meacham Field, and we were standing out there, and when that plane come up, it was a Cessna 310. When it came over that little hill and headed toward our hangar, we're all standing out there. I mean, we are one happy group of people. And they get out of it, hand me the title deed, hand me the keys to it. Then they have somebody pick them up and take them back to Dallas, and we're standing there looking at our first airplane. I said, let's lift our hands and bless the Lord. And I, I began to pray and thank God for being faithful to his word. And then I heard myself say this, God, if I never get to fly it, if you tell me to give it away before dark, I'll gladly do so and I'll tell everybody the testimony of how you were faithful to bring this to pass. And the Lord said, Enjoy it for now. 
I said, thank you. <laughs> and I did. I enjoyed that airplane, learned how to fly, and, and uh, enjoyed that airplane. My first trip in it was St. Simon Island, Georgia. And uh, boy, we just had a blast in that airplane. And then the cam time came where the Lord said, now sew it for your next one. And I have done that now all these years of sewing airplanes and receiving the next one. And God has never let me down. Now, let me say this. The time frame between sewing an airplane and receiving the next one, if I had been God, I would have shortened that time frame. <laughs> yeah. But, you know, he's God and he, he's got it all under control. But my place is to remain faithful. Remain faithful. Praise God. I had the privilege just this morning of my newest airplane. Richard Roberts had to go to Houston to preach. I said, well, Richard, there's a wonderful airplane out there that I'd like to bless you in, in that airplane and bless you in this trip. And uh, I'm, I'm going to take care of all the expenses and you just enjoy flying to Houston and not have to deal with commercial airlines. And so you can get back here and watch a cowboy game. Hallelujah. <laughs> Amen. What a joy. I'm blessed to be a blessing. Yeah. Amen. Uh, I'm blessed to be a blessing. I used to do that for Hilton Sutton. When I knew Brother Sutton had to go someplace. And, my, and I wouldn't, in my airplane, I'd, I'd say, well, I'm, coming, I'm sending my pilots to come pick you up. You know, he was 80-something years old and still flying commercial airlines, and it just grieved my spirit that he was having to go through that when I had an airplane sitting out there and, and could be a blessing to him. God is faithful, folks. God is so faithful. If you're faithful, you'll see his faithfulness. Faithful people don't give up. Look at your neighbor and say, faithful people don't give up. Amen. So, number one, what does it mean to be faithful? Firmly adhering to duty, love God, serve God, and remain loyal. And then number two, firm in adherence to the truth. That is God's word. Luke 6, 46, once again, why call ye me Lord, Lord, and do not the things which I say? And James chapter one says, be ye doers of the word and not hearers only. What is a hearer? That's people that, you know, mentally assent to the word that it's true, but they don't act on it. It's not first place in their lives. You know, whenever there's any kind of crisis or challenge, Carol and I, I mean, we've, we've trained ourselves to be this way, the first thing we think is what does the word say about this? Yeah, that's right. What does the word say about this? We don't, we don't go over the problem and magnify that. We don't ignore the problem. We don't pretend it's not there. But that's not where our main emphasis is. We, we, we see the problem. We understand 
what the situation here is, but then the next thing comes out of our mouth. What does the word say? What does the word say? See, faithful people make the word of God final authority in their lives. Can you say amen? Final authority in their lives. And then number three, what does it mean to be faithful? Being constant and unwavering. Being constant and unwavering. In Hebrews 10, 23, let us hold fast the profession of our faith without wavering, for he is faithful that promised. Hold fast the confession of our faith without wavering. Let your neighbor say, without wavering. Now, let's look at an example of Romans in Romans chapter 4 of a man who refused to waver. In Romans chapter 4. Beginning in verse... Oh, about verse 18. Who against hope... Now, this is talking about Abraham. Who against hope, believed in hope, that he might become the father of many nations, according to that which was spoken so shall thy seed be. And being not weak in faith, he considered not his own body, now did, when he was about a hundred years old. Now that's a, that's a very important statement. I'm glad Paul added that. When he was about a hundred years old. Because prior to this, the man did waver. When God first revealed to him, first visited him about he was going to have a son, Sarah, his wife, said, you know, she laughed because it was impossible in the natural. How could this be? And the Lord said to her, is anything too hard for the Lord? But then one day, I guess Abraham's out working, or Abram as he was known. He's out in the field doing something. He comes home and she said, you know, and I'm paraphrasing, uh, you know, uh, Abram, I've been thinking about what the Lord said to us about you having a son. And she said, I think I've got it all figured out now. You know, my womb is dead. It's impossible for me to conceive. I can't have children, but God wants you to have a child. And so I think what he meant was, you will have a child, but it's not by me. It's through my handmaiden, Hagar. Now, she can conceive. And did you notice what Abram did? He said, that's a wonderful idea. And Hagar was born. I mean, Ishmael was born. Ishmael. And you get, you get over in Romans, and, and the Bible said, and in Galatians, the Bible says that Ishmael was of the flesh. Isaac was of the spirit. So Ishmael's are of the flesh. That means when you decide that God's taking too long and you start helping him out you will wind up with an Ishmael. Yeah. 
And, if you, and I'm telling you, Ishmael's are hard to get rid of. <laughs> the Lord told me, he said, I don't want you driving an Ishmael car. I don't want you flying an Ishmael airplane. I don't want you living in an Ishmael house. And by all means, he didn't tell me this because I was already married, but by all means, don't marry an Ishmael. <laughs> don't marry the wrong man or the wrong woman. Amen. So notice Abram wavered. He compromised. And if you study your Bible closely, after Ishmael was born, God did not speak to him again for many years. Many years. And then finally we come up to the book of Genesis. Later in Abraham's, Abram's life, and he says, he rebuked Abraham. And he says, I am the almighty God. In other words, I don't need your help. All I need is your faith. And the Bible says Abram fell on his face. Abraham fell on his face in the presence of God. And when he got up from that experience, he was about 100 years old at that time. 99. That's as close as you can get to 100. He was 99 years old. At the time he had this visitation and God rebuked him for leaning to the arm of the flesh. And when he got up from that visitation, he was a changed man. And from that point, Paul picks up here in Romans 4, he staggered not at the promise of God. He did not consider his own body now dead, neither the deadness of Sarah's womb. See, this is not describing Abraham at 75. It's describing Abraham at 99. Look at your neighbor and say, there is hope for you. Praise God. (laughs) Amen. Now, the Bible calls Abraham the father of faith. The father of faith. But you read his life story and it should inspire you. You know, you haven't always been such a spiritual hot rod yourself. But there's hope for you. Tell your neighbor again, there's hope for you. Amen. Boy, when I saw the father of faith, he was human. He didn't, he didn't float across the desert. He was human. He didn't sprout wings when there was adversity. He was human. He faced thoughts that didn't line up with what God had promised him. But boy, after that visitation, he got up from the ground a changed man. It could be that some of you need a fresh visitation. Amen. And from that point, he did not compromise anymore. Never again. Look at verse 18. And being not weak in faith, he considered not his own body, now dead, when he was about a hundred years old, neither yet the deadness of Sarah's womb. He staggered not. That's the same thing as don't waver. He staggered not at the promise of God through unbelief, but was strong in faith, giving glory to God and being fully persuaded that what he had promised, he was able also to perform. Notice you don't see this man compromising ever again. 
You don't see him staggering. You don't see him wavering. You see him standing strong and fully persuaded that if God said it, that settles it, and so be it. Hallelujah. And if Abraham, the father of faith, can get to that place in his life, you and I can get there as well. Can you say amen? Amen. So, number three, being constant and unwavering. That's what faithfulness is, being constant and unwavering. And then Acts chapter 20 and verse 24, which is probably next to 1 John chapter 5, verse 4, is my favorite verse in the Bible. Speaking of Paul and his life of faith, and him referring to any and every adversity that came his way, none of these things move me. None of these things move me. Now, how would you like to have been told before you went to any city by the Holy Ghost, uh, Paul, I have a word for you. Everywhere you go, there will be chains, bonds, and afflictions. Now, have a nice trip. <laughs> and he would get there, and there'd be bonds and chains and afflictions. But his attitude was, none of these things move me. I will finish my course. And I will do it with joy. Hallelujah. Now, that's faithfulness, folks. That's faithfulness. Can you say amen? Amen. Now, I want to read something else before I give you number four. Proverbs 28, 20 says, A faithful man shall abound with blessings. A faithful man shall abound with blessings. The word abound means to have abundance or to experience plenty. To have abundance or to experience plenty. It also means to overflow, to run over, and to have more than enough. Man, I like the sound of that, don't you? The faithful shall abound with blessings. I've been saying this for years and years, and I'll keep saying it. If you see anybody that is abounding with blessings, then you ought to take careful notice of their life because that's the results of faithfulness. See, I I had the privilege when I moved here and went to work with Brother Copeland. And at that time, there was Kenneth Copeland, Gloria Copeland, A.W. Copeland, his father, uh, one secretary, and me. And I like to remind him, when you lose a good man, it takes 500 to replace him. It was me. Anytime, you know, he'd say, uh, we going to do this and we going to do that, he'd turn to me and say, you're we Savelle. <laughs> <laughs> but, oh, I thank God for those days. Yes, now, he's just, he, he'd only been in the ministry two years when I met him. Three years when I came to work for him. And, and he was not extremely well-known in those days. You know, we're just going wherever he's invited to go. And the full gospel businessmen were, were thriving in those days. And, and he started getting invitations from the full gospel businessmen to do those regional conventions. And they, they were some of the largest meetings at that time going on in charismatic circles. 
And every time he would do one of those, he'd get invitations from everywhere. And so that helped put him on the map. And so I'm, I'm working with him, and I'm, I'm, got it, I'm, I'm privileged to go everywhere he goes. There was, there was not, I worked with him for nearly three years. There was not, but maybe 10 times that I can think of that he went somewhere without me. So I got to watch him live out his faith. I got to watch what he did in adversity. I got to watch what he did when there was no money. I got to watch what he did when the bottom fell out. And I'm standing there, you know, and the Lord told me when I moved to Fort Worth, I'm standing out in my father-in-law's garden and I'm walking through the corn stalks. And the Lord said, when you move to Fort Worth, you watch Kenneth Copeland like a hawk. And I'll teach you how to preach with authority. I'll teach you how to pray for the sick. And I'll teach you how to tap into my wisdom. And so when I got here, I watched him like a hawk. I took notes on everything. And I'm, got, I'm getting to watch this man live out his faith. And I'd come home and I'd say, Carolyn, if it'll work for Kenneth and Gloria Copeland, if we do what they're doing, it'll work for us. Amen. He said, follow those who through faith and patience inherit the promises. And that's what we did. We'd see how they did it and we get the same results after we did it. Amen. So, a faithful man shall abound with blessings. I was watching a faithful man and I was watching how God was blessing him. I began to incorporate that same attitude in my life that the word is final authority on everything and act it out, act out the word of God and the blessings of the Lord began to come on me and come on me and come on me and come on me. He was doing for me what he was doing for Brother Copeland and what he'll do for me, he'll do for you, hallelujah. The faithful shall abound with blessings. Look at somebody and say, that's me he's talking about. I'm in the Bible. God was thinking of me when he wrote Proverbs 28:20. Can you say amen? Give him a shout if you believe it, praise God. Now once again, abound means to have abundance or to have plenty. It also means to overflow or to run over or to experience more than enough. Now, The fourth characteristic of faithfulness, based on what we just read, a faithful man shall abound with blessings, abundance, plenty, overflowing. What I've seen in the word that will put a person in position to experience the abundance and the plenty and the overflowing and the more than enough He has to be a faithful sower. He's a consistent sower. Amen. He's a consistent sower. Luke 6, 38, Give and it shall be given unto you. Good measure, pressed down, shaken together, running over. 
That's one of the meanings of abound, running over. Hallelujah. I testify to this to the glory of God. And I don't say it braggadocious, but I give God glory for it. I'm having my annual board meeting tomorrow, and I just finished looking over the reports, and we were able to sow over a million dollars into other ministries during the course of 2016. Amen. I... I learned the principle of sowing and reaping. And I learned that it is an honor to sow unto God. I don't consider it a chore. I consider it an honor. And one of the characteristics of faithfulness is consistent sowing. Now, you have to include sowing into the life of faithfulness because God talks about it so much in the Word. There are more scriptures on how God expects you to handle your finances than there are on salvation. Now, that doesn't mean that sowing money is more important than salvation. You need to get saved. But God talks about in the scriptures more verses referring to how to handle your money than he does getting saved. So he expects us to be faithful in the handling of our finances. People that are not faithful in the handling of their finances never reach abounding, never reach overflow, never reach more than enough. And I say this to the glory of God. I'm probably saying too much, but you can take it. I'm saying this to the glory of God. If you know me well, I'm not a braggadocious person, but I'm on course right now before the end of this month to be a million dollars over and above my normal get receiving into this ministry. Praise God. Amen. We're on course right now to, to, to take in over a million dollars in the month of January more than our normal operating expenses. And I give all the glory to God. But at the same time, I've been a faithful sower. I've been a faithful sower. And if you're a faithful sower, you're going to abound. I like what John Osteen used to say. God doesn't pay up every Friday, but he does pay up. Amen. Payday may not come every Friday, but payday does come. Can you say amen? amen? Go to Proverbs chapter 11. I don't know what I'm doing for you, but I'm preaching myself happy. Hallelujah. Proverbs chapter 11. And I, and I only say this so you know that I'm not just preaching the word and not living what I preach. Every, all the funds that come into our ministry, the first thing that it's done is take 10% of it and put in the tithe account. 
We sow out of this ministry. We sow out of this church. In my first staff meeting, I sowed a seed for flourishing this year, for the fulfillment of that prophetic word. And I thought, well, my greatest asset is the people that are faithful to this ministry. I sowed into all my staff members. Hallelujah. So I'm not, I'm not standing up here and telling you you ought to be a faithful sower and I don't live that. I live it. Amen. And that's why I'm flourishing. And to me, the greatest joy in having abundance is being able to give more. Being able to sow more. That's the greatest joy of my life. Being able to sow more. Hallelujah. If you understand that, give the Lord a good shout. Praise God. Amen. Proverbs chapter 11. And look at verse 24. There is that scattereth, that's sowing. There is that scattereth and yet increaseth. It's possible that a person can scatter seed. Scatter seed and yet increase. Now the world doesn't stand that. How in the world are you going to increase if you keep giving it all away? They don't understand that. You better hold on to what you got. Rainy days are coming. They don't understand sowing. He that scattereth, there is that scattereth and yet increaseth. And there is that will withholdeth more than is meet or necessary, but it tendeth to poverty. If you allow your circumstances to govern your sowing, you know, um, years ago, talking about that first airplane, we, we hit a, a roadblock. And uh, I was on the radio all over the country. And it was, it was getting a little difficult to pay all them radio bills. And it seemed like there for just a short time that the heavens had become brass. You know, I mean, the, the money is not coming in to keep up with all these radio bills. And uh, so I'm praying one day. I said, Lord, uh, I could sell my airplane, put the money in the ministry and, and pay off all those bills. He said, that's honorable. What are you going to sell next month? He said, you're not dealing with the root problem here. The root of the problem. You know, and this wasn't my, my situation, but I mean, if you've got strife in your home, you know, and you're giving everything you got away, what are you going to have to give away next year or sell next year if you hadn't dealt with the strife yet? It's the strife that's binding things up. You know, and, and so I said, well, uh, what is the root of the problem? So I spent some time in prayer, and he told me. And I dealt with that. And how many of you know you got to dig roots up? <laughs> you know? And it's, it's not easy sometimes. 
and there were some roots that were people. And uh, I was having to deal with that. It's not comfortable. You know, I like the preaching part. I don't like the hiring and firing part. But anyway, I had to remove someone that was not in faith with us and was doing some underhanded things with my finances. I I asked the Lord, I said, why did you let that man in my ministry? I'm out here preaching my little heart out, trying to obey you, and I got a thief in my ministry. He said, I had my Judas, you had yours. I said, I don't want everything you had, just the good stuff. (laughs) So anyway, I had to deal with that root, and, uh, you know, and, and the situation turned. And then later the Lord said, now I want you to sew the airplane. But I didn't have to sell it to pay the bills. When I dealt with the problem, the money came to pay the bills. And then I was able to sew the airplane. Amen. Are you still here? I know I'm covering a whole lot of stuff here in a short time, but this is faith 101. Hallelujah. Faithfulness 101. Praise God. Proverbs 11, once again, there is that scattereth and yet increaseth, and there is that withholdeth more than is meat, but it tendeth to poverty. Now, if you're withholding when you should be sowing, you're headed for poverty. The liberal soul shall be made fat, and he that watereth shall be watered also himself. Amen. That's faithfulness in sowing. Then go to Galatians chapter 6. Faithfulness in sowing. Now, how long did the Bible tell us in Revelation chapter 2 that we are to be faithful? Unto death. Yeah, that's good. Yeah, that's good. Unto death. So if being a consistent sower is a part of faithfulness, then how long am I supposed to do that? Until death. None of this is seasonal, folks. We don't just try this for a little while. It's it's a lifetime commitment. Can you say amen? Amen. Galatians chapter 6, verse 9, And let us not be weary in well-doing, for in due season we shall reap, if we faint not. As we have therefore opportunity, let us do good unto all men, but especially unto them who are the household of faith. Now, notice he says, let us not be weary in well-doing. What is the subject here? What is this well-doing that he's referring to? Sowing, blessing, being a blessing. And I believe the Amplified Translation, it says, be mindful to be a blessing. Be mindful to be a blessing. So faithfulness is not only fulfilling your duty in loving God, serving God with all your heart, all your mind, all your soul. It's not only being faithful to his word, being a doer of the word. It's not only being constant and unwavering in your walk of faith, 
But it's also consistent giving. Amen. And then that qualifies you for flourishing. For abounding, praise God. Amen. Folks, we need to just let God's word be final authority. God's word be final authority in every area of our lives. Can you say amen? Praise God. So the faithful shall flourish. Now, now, what you should have been doing then is let those, those four principles act as a checklist in your life. You get out there, you know, messing with airplanes, you have a checklist. You go through that checklist before you leave the ground. Then you got a checklist inside that you go to. And I always liked, if, if I wasn't flying, I don't, I don't fly myself anymore, but if I wasn't flying and someone else was flying, I, I want them to read that checklist out loud to me where I can hear it. Come on. I don't want any assumptions here. My life is at stake. <laughs> and my family's lives. If I'm, I'm looking up in the cockpit and they're not going through the checklist, they don't fly for me. I don't care how long they've been flying. Come on. I don't want to rely on memory. That's right. And you don't want to rely on memory of just what you remember the word says. You want to go to it every day in your life. Can you say amen? amen. So this is my checklist. Have I been faithful? Am I fulfilling my duty to love God with all my heart, with all my soul? With all my might, am I fulfilling total adherence to the Word of God? Is it final authority in my life? Is it first place in my life? Am I a doer of the Word and not a hearer only? Am I constant, unwavering, refuse to give up, never turning back? Am I consistent in my giving? Well, if I can say amen to all that, then I qualify. Hallelujah. Can you say amen? Come on, give the Lord your best shout this morning. Stand up. Hallelujah. Stand up and give him praise. Glory to God. Amen. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. You know, I'm sure um, Justin is preparing to receive the tithes and offerings, but I feel led the Lord to do this. I want you to get your tithes and offerings out. And, I, and I, you might have to be seated again to do that if you hadn't already done it. I like to do it before I come to church. If you need to sit down to write your check out or get in your purse or your billfold or whatever, get, get your tithes and offerings out. And I want us to pray over them. And then Justin may come and add some closing remarks to it. And when you're ready, you hold it up before the Lord. Never stop sowing. Never, never, never stop sowing. 
Hallelujah. Now say this with me. Heavenly Father, I have seen in your word that you expect me to be a faithful sower. You said that I am to be mindful to be a blessing every day of my life. Every opportunity I have, I sow into the kingdom of God. I sow into others as I'm led by your spirit. And I sow into the household of faith. I get up every day looking for opportunities to scatter seed. And your word promises that I will abound. And I will move into the overflow. That I will have plenty. So that I can always be faithful in sowing. And I'm believing today. That as I continue my sowing of seed. Throughout this year. That it qualifies me. For flourishing. I believe. In the name of Jesus, before this year is done, I will have the testimony. I'm thriving. I'm excelling. I'm prospering. I'm flourishing. I'm at a high point in my life. And I give you all the praise for it. In the name of Jesus. Come on, give the Lord your best shout. Praise God. Hallelujah.